You know, I, probably for the sake of our uh, NSA caseworker, we should have brought like, uh, what are those called? Faraday boxes or whatever for our phones. I don't know. I don't think we should be recording in here with our phones, even though this is going to hit the internet in a couple of weeks. I mean, we're going to publicize all this information anyway, right? The government is good. I love the American government. That's one um, out of three. I actually did hear a top secret government story oh. uh, recently about a person who was taken captive in Colombia. And uh, just the means by which that person was able to achieve a ransom. Turns out there are ways, but I guess I better not say. Do you know about... Uh... But the American government was in the right. Uh, the American government was encouraged to be in the right. And it's interesting how our government encourages so many governments to be in the right, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how we, we persuade them. Uh, do you know about the privatization of a regime change? Do you know about this? We don't even have to be involved in regime change anymore because we've uh, sent so many people into just South Blackwater America. Blackwater will just do it. No, we don't even need Blackwater to do it. We've basically trained half the death squads in South America, so they're all hardcore commandos. They can freelance. You know, this is the Haiti connection, uh, right? Well, that's, yeah. that, you know, they're, uh, they're untangling that knot for the next 20 years, I'm sure. But, like, you know, so those are private contractors, the guys that got framed and probably the guys that actually did it. You right. Know? Uh, it's weird how Safe House... Uh, is you know a couple of years ahead of the curve. I feel like the the 2010s are definitely a, a point where you, the post 9/11 thrillers kind of take a turn. You know, yeah. Uh, Hollywood stops being on the government side a little bit. It feels like right as, yeah. as much as Hollywood ever stops being on the the DoD the side. The optimism definitely sort of falls out. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. So hello everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film space course. This week's film is Safe House. Uh, starring uh, Denzel Washington and Ryan Reynolds. And it's going to be a good time. I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton. And do you know that this movie came out the year we started the show? That's how long we've been doing this. We now cast our eyes backwards. Oh, wow. To a a throwback. At a simpler time when (laughs) at least two of us were drinking a little bit too much. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Nine years ago. So, well, in case you're tuning in the show for the very first time, we do want to warn you, dear listener, we are going to spoil Safe House, but we'll wait. We'll pause, we'll desist from the spoilerage in order for you to keep up so you know what the fate of Ryan and Denzel may or may not be. Now, Dustin, are you saying that uh, this this house might be safe this, for this, the time being? That this house is going to be safe temporarily, but I don't feel like... Uh, Patrick Robert Patrick Robert Patrick Patrick Robert is what I wanted the to say the T1000 the T1000 yeah. the T1000 may or may not make it very long but this is how it's going to look we're going to have a synopsis which will be spoiler free we'll have a quick thumbs up thumbs down reviews which will be like a regular review which should be as light as possible in the spoiler territory we'll play a little mental exercise called expanding the syllabus which might involve spoilers of the film but more likely spoilers of films uh, surrounding its orbit and then finally all bets will be off we'll be down to business doing analysis and that's when we will spoil the stew out of this film. So, there you go. You've been warned. Arthur, do you have that synopsis for us? Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> plot twist. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, look, every movie should use that piece of scoring. It is pretty, pretty solid. Matt Weston. He's a junior CIA operative in Cape Town, South Africa. South? Uh, South Africa. South, South Africa. Uh, where he runs housekeeping for a CIA safe house. When known traitor and expat Tobin Frost turns up in his care, he knows it's his big break. But the CIA aren't the only ones after Frost, and Weston will have to reevaluate his contacts and his position in order to protect Frost and himself. 
Or are they? Truly a, a juxtaposition of movie names there. You have Tobin Frost, an absolutely spectacular character name, <laughs> and Matt, Matt Weston, <laughs> an absolutely milk toast. Yeah, uh, very Marvel 60s comic book uh-huh. character name. Matt yeah. Weston, I think is <laughs> the housekeeper. <laughs> probably fitting for uh, Reynolds' performance in this movie. No disrespect, but boy, does he not have much to do. Yeah, this no. is pre-Deadpool where he's really kind of still finding that footing, I think. This Arthur, I'm so glad you said this, because of course I want to talk about where this lands in his career right like this is post his big breakout in the mid-aughts pre him becoming sort of uh, a household personality right Mm -hmm. it is a weird pocket for him and of course denzel is i don't denzel fully at uh, yeah he's at full denzelness right he comes off of broadway to do this movie because he says fuck it i'll do a movie and i'll let you waterboard me to make it yeah do you know about this yeah i did know that Yeah. yeah That there was real waterboarding taking place. He said, I, do it. Because <laughs> he's Denzel Washington. He's one of the best. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is the playbook on Ascendant Star and Peaked Star, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this this is how you do a Hollywood action two-hander. This is the formula. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm kind of excited about that aspect of this movie. So with that, I guess we might as well move on into reviews. Sure. Um, you've already said that it's doing peak uh, stuff, Dalton. Do you have anything more to say in terms of your thoughts on Safe House? Well, yeah, that doesn't mean it's good. Right, and that is sort of the un- unfortunate crux of it. Uh, it's it's I got a couple of things going for it that I think we'll talk about. Uh, right, we have uh, Daniel Espinosa's uh, Hollywood debut. Uh, the director had a pretty big hit with Snabacash over in the Scandinavian chunk of the world. I'm sorry, and I, one day I'll bother to sort them out. I'm frankly too jealous of their living conditions to bother to keep them straight. Uh, the action is competent, right? Like I think some are better than others. I think the the sort of First big uh, safe house set piece we've kind of alluded to. I think it's pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, set, a set piece that involved like 1,500 squibs, which is just bananas. A lot. Yeah. Um, there's a, a stadium sequence that I think is really spectacular. I think the, mm. the climax of this film, we won't get too spoilery just yet, I think is really great. That's mm-hmm. three set pieces out of a bunch. And not the rest don't, don't quite work as well. There's some foot chases that are middling at best. Uh, I appreciate the craft, though. I, you know, I, I did a little behind the scenes digging. The, these are these are well uh, planned and well constructed uh, sequences, uh, even if I don't think they all necessarily work. Uh, there definitely is a feeling with this film, and uh, you know, the behind the scenes um, myth making that all movies tend to do with their behind the scenes stuff. Uh, really lean into the character work here, and, and I think that at some level even if I don't necessarily buy the the studio behind-the-scenes uh, propaganda. I, I, I buy into that the actors going into this movie were like, okay, cool, this is a spy movie, which means we get to do like a lot of nuanced performance stuff. Um, I can see why Denzel wanted to do it. I, of course, can see why Reynolds wanted to do it. He is not necessarily miscast here, but it sure feels like he's poorly directed. Um, we, we don't get like... Brief glimpses at sort of the the sardonic shit, the stick that he the shtick that he's like known for, even prior to this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you yeah. go back to the early aughts, he's already kind of doing the I'm too cheeky to be in this straight laced action movie shtick. Uh, so it's weird that they they just want him to give green or uh, what behind the ears green you know rookie energy uh, because he is already kind of established. I don't know yeah. that. I don't know. I don't know who you would cast instead of him, but he feels a little wrong here. Even 
though he works. I think, you know, there's moments where he gets to look forlorn out windows and uh, be horrified at what he's capable of to protect his own life. Like, I, I think he's not bad in it. I just feel like he could be compelling and is not. This is primo peak greatest actor of all time, period, Denzel stuff. And not just because he agreed to get waterboarded like an absolute madman. Uh, I just, yeah, I think he's he's truly in the pocket on this one. It's been 10 years almost since Man of Fire when he makes this, Man on Fire when he makes this movie. So he's kind of already been in grandpa action mode for a while. Yeah. And he's still good at it in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he absolutely sells the idea that this guy can make you believe anything. Uh because he's Denzel Washington, he is one of the most like when they wrote this. This movie was getting shopped. It you know hit the blacklist, and uh, people were like, "Oh, we got to make this movie." Denzel was the wanted actor for Tobin Frost, and I get it. Like he is, it's absolutely perfect casting for an absolutely perfectly named secondary protagonist slash pseudo antagonist. Um, I don't know. I will get into things that I don't like about this movie, which are largely ideological. Um, although I, I like that the movie, again, as we've alluded to, is apprehensive at best about the national security apparatus. Uh, I, I like that the film, um, you know, it has good bones. Jumping off from a safe house, a uh, spy safe house, is a cool idea for a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just period, flat out, end of day, good idea. Uh, I just wish there's so many moments in this movie where I wanted more. Uh, Tracy Thompson from Death Proof, Rent, a bunch of other stuff, or Tom, sorry, uh, shows up for like three exposition lines of dialogue and really lands her scene. And I was like, oh, is she in more of this? I don't know. I haven't seen this since it was in theaters. No. Uh, Vera Famiga has absolutely nothing to do except for be a scold. Unfortunate. Uh, the French actress uh, who they've cast as Reynolds' girlfriend, yeah, didn't remember the actor's name, absolutely nothing to do as well. This is a movie that does not give a fuck about women. Uh, as most action movies, you know, tend to go that route, unfortunately, unless they want to uh, put Charlize Theron on the poster. Uh, you know, it's stuff that's not surprising, but it's, it's stuff that never stops being frustrating when you you get let yourself get kind of sucked into a movie because you think it's doing interesting things, and then it goes and does the same boring things that almost every Hollywood movie does. Um, I don't know. Even, you know, nine years out from this, it does sort of feel like a movie from a totally different time, right? Mm-hmm. I know it's just been barely, a, not even quite a decade yet, but it is weird how much the business has changed, not only in, you know, the intervening decade, and of course the last year and a half has really changed movies. But this, I don't know, this this $85 million action movie just doesn't feel like something that would get made anymore. If it got made, it would be on Netflix, and it yep. would probably have closer to 100. I mean, they'd probably bump it all the way up to 100. Yeah. Um, mm. And it would be like the old guard, right, where it would be the the prestige streaming hit, mm-hmm. right, as opposed to the the kind of standard baseline streaming tier. Um, I don't yeah, know. This uh, feels like, what, what was the hymns Extraction? Was yeah. that the, and, and then Spencer Confidential, what they did with Wahlberg? Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like in that vein. Absolutely, yeah. Sort of their um, star-fronted, I mean, again, in the old guard, um, you know, they, they have this this tier of movies where it's a big established star and director who's pretty well, got a good, you know, d- done their, their legwork but hasn't, you know, had something in a while. Uh, I, I wish I could think of every director that, uh, for those movies that you just listed. But if you go look at those careers, um, they're, they're all interesting. I wish I could think of the name of the director of um, The Old Guard is the one I'm really struggling for. That's the woman who did uh, yeah. Love and Basketball. Exactly, yeah. Gina? And, yeah, she's got a hyphenated last name, I yep. think. It's just absolutely driving me up a wall, but it's not coming to me right now. Gina Prince-Bythe. Yeah, Prince-Bythe. Bythewood? Bythewood. 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 Uh, yeah, so again, like... It, it is sort of 
and again, with here, it's with Safe House. We've got Daniel Espinosa coming off a snap of cash. So that, and that's sort of the tier of director that you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, Netflix's first big one's Bright. You've got David Ayer, who hasn't done a whole lot in his, you know, his directing efforts have been mixed successes. So, again, it, it does just sort of feel like a movie that doesn't get theatrically released, period, uh, in, in our current ecosystem for movies. Uh, and, and yet it feels... It feels run of the mill and different in ways that are, I think, constantly compelling. Um, so that, that's what I'll leave it at for now. Uh, I, I think, despite its shortcomings and maybe sometimes because of its shortcomings, it, it is a compelling film. Uh, if, if you know you're a big dork about the business, if you're not, well, it's a middle grade action movie that's decent enough for a Saturday afternoon. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton. Sir, what do you say, Arthur? What's your review of Safe House? Uh, I want to toss out some uh, fantasy casting here uh, for the Ryan Reynolds, Matt, uh, Matt Weston part. Okay, hit me. Uh, so my, my first, uh, I'm going back to 2012 movies. Yeah, so we got to see what's in the Yeah, we got to be the in peripheral. that mindset, what actor, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm ready. So, so here's my first one, and, and Michael B. Jordan. Perfect. No notes. What was he doing in 2012? Uh, Chronicle. Oh, yeah, pre-fruit coming out too. Of, yeah, coming out of Friday Night Lights, probably. Yeah. God, All right. he would have been great. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Wow, yeah, there's a universe yeah. where he's in this movie, yeah. 100%. I'm, right. I'm glad he's not. I'm glad we don't have yeah. to talk about Shia the Buff today. But, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, Zac Efron. Absolutely a universe where he's the second lead in this movie. All right, uh, um, who was my, my next one? I think this is the last one. Um, where'd he go? Who was it? My. Oh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, see, and I think the thing, Arthur, about all three of the Because it's the same as U- Looper. Yeah, all three of the actors you mentioned, which is a very similar, right? The two-hander, old guy, young guy, mm-hmm. an established newcomer. And, and I think that you, what you just hit on with those three picks is they're all a sight younger than Ryan Reynolds, which is not to say Ryan Reynolds is old, obviously. He's like, what, Dustin's age? I think right at, I think you guys are about the same age. His so, birthday in the movie is 82, so he's that yeah. guy's two years younger than me. I don't know about who he is, but yeah. Yeah, so... He was 76, so he's got four he's years four old. years older than me. There you go, so... And there you have it, right? So he's playing six years younger for this movie, and he he looks in his mid thirties, not his late twenties, yeah. right? And like he still looks great, but he just reads on screen as too experienced to be a rookie in some ways. Uh, I've seen him be a disheveled law enforcement or intelligence officer before. You know, I've seen smoke and aces. I've seen him crying blood with you know a big burly beard. He, I just don't buy it. Uh, I like those fantasy castings, though. Uh, what do you think of the movie overall? Yeah, I, I kind of echo your sentiments. It, it feels pretty pedestrian in a lot of regards. Um, the first thing I really thought about, though, this feels so much like a Tony Scott film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the visual yeah. style, the pacing, the story elements. Uh, this kind of feels in line with what he's doing in that that middle aughts period. Um, which, to your point, I think shows this movie's about five to ten years too late for what it is. Mm. I think it really does kind of fit about five years earlier. Uh, and I think Denzel also lends itself to that Tony Scott feel. It feels like one of their class. I mean, yeah. if I didn't know any better, I would have been like, oh, this this seems like one of the Scott Scott Washington collaborations. There's not enough weird video washouts. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I, And I, I say that with respect to Tony Scott, right? Like, yeah. he's always got that visual flair, and yeah. I think that's what's missing from this. Yeah. Uh, but the, the cinematography itself, I think, has that kind of grittiness to it that Tony sure. Scott brings. Especially the stadium sequences. Kind yeah. Of that real, that digital at night yeah. kind of grain. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like most of the set pieces. I, I think the arena thing's really cool. I, I like the uh, I like the opening in the safe house. I also like that opening with Tobin where he's trying to get across town in a 
going to the consulate. I think that's a oh yeah little, with the onion night. Yeah, yeah, that sequence. I think is that's really, a good little bit. Yeah, love it. Um, but I do. I I, agree. I think there are too many set pieces, uh, and that really takes away from giving us any sort of narrative or character motivation. We we don't really get a lot of who Tobin Frost is, his motivation. We don't really understand a lot about Matt Weston, who he is, what makes him tick. We get exposition dumps on both of them, and like dialogue it literally sets up exposition dumps yeah. for both of them i mean we've got sam shepherd saying i need to know everything there is to know about matt and Weston. then we don't get anything <laughs> and then we get yeah uh he's an orphan and, yeah. and he likes his girlfriend the yeah it. yeah I, I mean uh it, it feels uh this feels very primal and very basic and i was thinking this feels like save the cat 101 script writing mm-hmm. in, in that regard it's very what's the lowest common uh appeal we can go for and in, in that kind of just saving your skin and being betrayed uh, and so I, I think, you know, for those reasons, it, it's a little too long. Um, I, I like the ensemble they do put together, but like Dalton said, not many of them get a chance. I mean, we've got Brendan Gleeson, mm-hmm. Robert uh, Patrick, yes, right? uh, Vera Famiga, and they really just don't – Sam Shepard. And, and really they don't get to do anything but be kind of mean and say lines angrily. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of a downfall. I, I think there are a lot of really good pieces here to make mm. a really good – spy thriller and i think it just doesn't come come across as well as it could have but it's it's a fine movie i mean it like i mean again echoing dalton it feels like a fun you know saturday afternoon kind of napping on the couch safe houses on if this, and i'm not opposed to that if this had come out in the 90s it absolutely would have been in that tnt usa yep. tbs rotation yep, definitely for sure yep uh you're right though uh, uh Absolutely stacked supporting cast, but like not only do some of them not get anything. Oh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Ruben Blades? No, uh, at the uh, at the other safe house. Oh, um, Joel Kinnaman. Yeah, Joel uh, Kinnaman. from yeah. Snapping yeah. Cash. Yeah, he he gets brought over by the director, which I yeah. think is fun, and he actually kind of gets something to do. I I think. Yeah. It, as far as like actors who would have loved yeah. to be in this movie, I think boom, he's number one on the list because he's just now doing premium cable prestige shows like. Honestly, there's a universe where he plays Matt Weston, and I think he might have been a little bit better. I He's agree got with that. more edge to him than Ryan Reynolds does. Yeah, I think uh, it works though. Joel Kinnaman has like been at a drug deal before, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Reynolds yeah. is not. He's, a, he's pretty boy. Ryan yeah. Reynolds has had somebody bring him cocaine before. <laughs> he has never been <laughs> yeah. at a handoff. Uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah, I, he's, I can see that. He's too. He's too smooth in the face. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that's kind of where I land at. I do have another kind of quibble with the plot but i want to get to that until probably when we get to my uh syllabus so okay. that's where i'm at where are you at dustin what do you think about safe house i think say well first of all i think ryan reynolds is fine i mean i get the point that dalton was making earlier and i do like the fantasy casting that we talked about but i i do think um he isn't doing that later stuff that he does that meta winking he gets like cynical. one moment of it late in the film but but not that's not really the role either i mean he is sure. playing innocent i think he's playing that innocence well I mean, I, I think I believe it. I'm not saying he's bad. I do want to yeah. clarify. I, I agree with you that he's competent at it. I just think he's wrong for the part, I it, guess. That, that sort of, um, oh, jolly gee, gee whiz, gosh, kind of, you know, performance. That, naivety. Uh, naivety that he performs with, like, in The Voices. Mm, um, okay. You know, it's Nines. Like, yeah. Another one. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so I, for that, I, I buy it. And, and Denzel uh, bought it. I mean, he, you know, in interviews about the movie, he calls him innocent. He had a lot of fun messing with him, apparently, yeah. which I think is great. Well, it sounds like a thing Denzel would do. I'm not sure I would like Denzel. I don't know. I think it, you know, I think it's going to depend on what 
the role is, right? Yeah. Like, how, whatever the role is is going to impact how he interacts. How he with interacts, you. With yeah, you, probably sure. so. Yeah, but uh, and then of course Denzel is super great, you know, because he's Denzel, so he's going to do his Denzel. He can do it in his sleep. Yeah, yeah, and so that is great, and it all works for me. Um, it is absolutely, as you guys have been saying, paint by numbers filmmaking. Uh, with the set pieces and just the way the plot works. I mean, it's a spy thriller. And, I mean, as soon as I saw certain characters, I'm like, okay, this one's either that or that. We'll see which one. They're either minute. dead they're, in the next three scenes. They're all or archetype. Th- or they're a yeah. bad guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is how that's going to go. This is how that's going to go. I mean, you, you sort of are anticipating it. And there's, yep. a, there's a certain satisfaction in knowing kind of where it's going and seeing that those revelations come. And seeing the twists, the, the zigs where you thought it would zag, etc. Yeah, and yeah. so I, that, whole, that whole mental exercise of uh, postulating hypotheses and not knowing quite where it's going to go, but having a pretty good idea is, I think, a satisfying uh, film-watching experience. But it's not, in that same sense, groundbreaking. Uh, the, the visual style is fine. I like the action sequences. I really like the foot chase on the roofs. Um, I, I thought that was a lot of fun, uh, and whatnot. It's a little muddy. I like it. I, 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 you can tell they really thought about the layout. It just feels like it could have been lit a bit better. Right. But like it's, it doesn't cut. And like there's action scenes where you can tell they were like, ooh, we don't have a lot of money for this one, so there's a lot of cuts. So there, a lot of really cool like long takes and like I, people chasing each other. I wanted more of a District B thirteen kind of uh, Denzel parkour scene a little bit there. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know. I will say I, I really do just. Just because of where we're at now in, in modern, you know, nine years later, I, I do like the t- tactile mm. practicality of these set yeah. pieces. Yeah, for yeah, sure. They, um, log, uh, log on? I wrote it down. I'll find it in my notes. Uh, the township that they're in is a real township, and they basically built like a second one right next to it so they could That's cool. break nice. it. Um, but we'll get into how this movie doesn't address the international politics that allow townships like that to exist. Right, and that, that is a, that's a whole thing itself. And uh, but you know, it's fun seeing Johannesburg again. You know, and so it I like it for film, the, the little bit that Denzel was there, and then that, then it all moves to Cape Town, and I start I started caring less just because I hadn't been there. But Have you been to Joburg? I've been to Joburg a couple times. Oh, okay, but um, yeah. Uh, Nice place. Uh, anyway, it's pretty uh, country. South Africa looks good on film, man. There's a reason it shows up in movies. Man, there's a yeah, for it's sure. Definitely having a post District Nine moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like people want to go shoot there for sure. Right. And so, but that being said, I think everything does work, and it is fun, and uh, it's an enjoyable experience as a watch. Is it something I'm going to come back to? No. Is it something that I'm going to turn off if I find it? No. So it, yeah. yeah, I I like it, yeah. but um, it didn't blow my hair back. But that's not a that's not really a criticism as much as it's fine. Was this the first time for both of you? First time for me? No, I saw it in theaters. You did too. Okay, yeah. the first time since theaters for you as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What is this theater you speak of? Uh, well, Dustin, once upon a time, they had these places with free air conditioning, and while you were there, <laughs> while you were there, you could meet strangers and watch films with them. Well, you paid five to ten dollars for that air conditioning. Sounds like a well, you know. I think of it as coming with the the snacks. I <laughs> sounds guess. like a required penicillin injection afterwards. So uh, I'm good. But there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on uh, more safe, more house. No one is safe. No one is house. I'm just echoing a thing that Dalton told me about uh, last week. So with that, let's go ahead and move into our little thought exercise that we call expanding the syllabus. Hey, Dalton, can you tell us what that's all about? Ah, damn it, he did it. He ah, as soon as I set him up for it, he did. Uh, okay. So here on this show, thirty seconds. Okay. Uh, this is a show where we talk about the films you never discussed in a film studies course. This is the segment of the show that posits, what if you did talk about it in a film studies course? We do the thing that we said the show doesn't do. We try to wrestle these movies to the ground and make them sound important. And this is the part where we do that. 
<laughs> no, like that's it. expanding the syllabus. <laughs> I like it. Very well played. Well, Arthur, do you have a syllabus for us? I do. Um, I, I was uh, kind of really struck by uh, the wrong manness uh, of this film. It's not quite that, but it is kind of that. Sure. It kind mm-hmm. of feels mm-hmm. in that same vein. Um, and so I think I, I want to really dig into that that trope and that story uh, structuring. Um, and, and it's a... Uh, Story trope that naturally lends itself to suspense, thanks much to the kind of uh, uh, outline uh, Hitchcock kind of developed uh, with his early films, and so uh, I think that's where I want to look at this: is is the wrong man trope, suspense, how those intertwine, how that works together, and that is something I think Safehouse kind of drops the ball with here, um, and this is where I'm going to spoil the big twist here at the end if you didn't see it coming. Uh, when we find out that Gleason is the bad guy, that is information that we get off screen that uh, Matt Weston doesn't have. Uh, and in a lot of other suspense films and, and thrillers, that's where a lot of the kind of emotional crux would be in that final act when, when there's a confrontation. And I, I feel that's not really here. I, I feel like that's kind of taken away when he shows up at the house and, and Weston's already kind of out of the loop because he's been in this bloody knife fight with uh, Joel Kinnaman. Well, and if you've seen a spy movie before, you've already figured out that Brendan Gleeson's the bad guy. Yeah, definitely. Right? right. Yeah. And it makes sense that Ryan Reynolds has also pieced this information together. Well, there was a 40% chance that Vera Farminga really was, right? It was like, yeah, like sure. all, all of her critique and criticism of Weston is like, okay, e- either that is the red herring yeah. or it's, and that's the sort of um, yeah. hypothesis I was constructing. Right? Yeah. I was like, either this is because she really is or because they're planning it. Because, yeah, she's a red yeah. herring and it will be murdering her by, by the start yeah. of the third act. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I just kind of feel like the, the real only, other than Tobin Frost and Weston, the only other real kind of connection any characters have is Gleason and yep. and Weston um, as as he's kind of been his go-to in, in getting him some sort of position and uh, he's kind of been his mentor. He's his rabbi. The CIA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so for there not to be any sort of emotional repercussion from that feels like it undercuts the suspense and, and the relationship that's been established there. So it's, I want to explore it, that. It's maybe more interesting if Gle- uh, Formiga is the bad guy I think and so. she kills Gleason. Yeah. I think her getting out of that SUV is the, the more interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, but so I want to go into Hitchcock. I want to talk about his fascination with the wrong man trope and how he kind of built his his Uber around that in many ways. And I would go back to the 39 Steps when he was still in Britain Look at that, which kind of lays the, the, the blueprint for what he's going to do uh, over the next 40 years or so, 30 years. Uh, from there, I would go with The Man Who Knew Too Much, and I might do the American version, actually, uh, with Stuart and Novak? Yes. Maybe? In The Man Who Knew Too Much? Man Who Knew Too Much is Stuart and... No, Doris Day? No. Doris Day. Yeah. It is Doris Day. Uh, and then I would go in with uh, North by Northwest, I think, which kind of caps that off as, as the I think the finalized version of the, the wrong man's story. I can't believe I brain farted on that because she's got the case of raw, raw stuff. In oh that. yeah. 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 Um, and then from there I want to jump up uh, and I want to talk about Brian De Palma's mission impossible, which in many ways feels Hitchcock, but it also is kind of a proto for this, the kind of a De Palma film felt like Hitchcock. It's yeah, shocking. Who'd have thought? <laughs> um, but it does have that same kind of government betrayal aspect that safe house is playing into. So I want to look at that. I might talk about the losers, maybe looking at the graphic novel versus oh, yeah. the movie. I'm not quite sure, but that's another one that's kind of in this, in the same vein. Chris Evans would have been a pretty okay. Uh, if he hadn't got roped into the Marvel machine. Speaking yeah. of hey, everybody, uh, he gets to play the, hack. everybody bows a knee to the mouse at some point. Oh yeah. You simply must <laughs> swear fealty to the mouse. You have no choice. Can't wait for uh Denzel to show up. Oh, what is, 
Denzel's got to be a you villain, know right? the MCU like every every franchise has to have been chasing him for ten years. There's mm-hmm. no, I'm sure I can't even tell you how many. There's no telling rather how many meetings he's probably turned down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, I want to uh, go with uh, a movie I just watched, uh, Sneakers, uh, with Robert Redford from '92, uh, which really kind of feels uh, like a natural pairing with this movie uh, and and kind of dealing with the uh, questionable motives of our our governments. Uh, and uh, really plays well within this this trope, I think, and uh, really does uh, some fun stuff with that. So that's where I would go with this this course. Very cool, very cool. I like that very much. What do you say, Dalton? What would your syllabus look like using Safe House? Well, as we all know, as we were taught by uh, W. Kamau Bell and uh, Kevin Avery, Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. Uh, not the least of which because if you track Denzel's career from the late 90s to, let's say, Safe House, you see an, inv- an evolving picture of the United States security apparatus uh, and also public opinion towards said apparatus. Um, so we're going to be doing a class that is uh, going to be, at least in the very front half of it, maybe this this class might need to be discussed at more length next week. Uh, but at the front half, it's going to be very Denzel-heavy, but it's uh, Denzel Washington, the security state, and whistleblowers. Um, so I think just to kind of lay the groundwork to get uh, this class thinking about where we're at, uh, we got to go from pre-9-11 to post-9-11. So we'll be starting with 1998's The Siege, uh, a film that posits, uh, what if the United States military had a reason to occupy New York? And what if they were rounding up uh, people of uh, North African and uh, Middle Eastern heritage? Uh, gee, I, I, I want... Anyway, we don't need to get into conspiracy theories yet. That also is more relevant for next week's uh, show. <laughs> but it is interesting that this is a film that comes out in 1998. It is interesting that that is what the plot is about. Uh, if you haven't seen this film, I haven't since I was a child. Uh, you, you got Bruce Willis as a bad general. Uh, Denzel as an FBI guy. Uh, Tony Shalhoub's there, too. I forget who else in this movie. But it very much is a post-first attack on the trade World Trade Center, pre-second attack. Uh, very much a, a Hollywood film trying to reckon with very real political issues while also not understanding anything about politics, really. Uh, a film that kind of is beyond dealing with some of the like the obvious biggie on the eye chart stuff that you should be dealing with if uh well let's say an FBI agent uh is a black american and is uh, watching an american city be occupied by the military I, th- I think it might come up you know it's it's a very post 90s film uh, there's a great episode about it on the uh the podcast um friendly fire had a pretty good episode about it uh next though we'll be moving to the manchurian candidate uh, it's 2004. We're remaking a 60s paranoid classic. Uh, Jonathan Demme reteaming with Denzel post Philadelphia, a uh, film we've discussed on this show. Um, so we've got one film we haven't talked about, but we'll probably get to. Uh, and then uh, The Manchurian Candidate. And then, of course, we'll look at Safe House. And Manchurian Candidate is much more of a paranoid thriller uh, than this film. Very much a who knows what and when did they know what kind of thing. But similar to Safe House, it is very much a film where Denzel is. Uh, as opposed to being a part of the security apparatus and trying to check it from within the system, both Manchurian Candidate and Safe Houses are films that find him on the outs with the apparatus. Uh, Manchurian Candidate's character, obviously, is, you know, he's much more morally considered a good guy, like capital G, capital G, good guy. Whereas, of course, Tobin Frost and Safe House is much more morally complex. Uh, But I think all three of these films, when taken, you know, 
number one, as uh, arc of Denzel's career, which we've talked about at length on this show mm-hmm. over the last several years, and looking at how the media deals with uh, the global war on terror, terror, both before it had a name and after it has a name, I think we can kind of start to get in a headspace thinking about how these things shift and evolve, how conversations change. Uh, that sort of would be the point where we'll pivot to the real world and having to deal with what does that look like in real life? And I think, uh, for the sake of brevity, uh, stay tuned. We might, uh, th- that's what the class is for now, but uh, maybe next week, and not maybe, I will be discussing uh, this idea a little bit more uh, on next week's episode. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I think the class that I would have in mind here would be a class on spy thrillers, a spy action mm-hmm. thriller. And there might be a first half of the class. I, I really just sort of thought about a second half of the post-9-11 world. Uh, for that class for today's syllabus. But if I were to actually expand this into a 16-week semester kind of course, I think we would go before that Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot more material there. So uh, just to leave that there. But to begin with, I think in terms of the films, um, you've already mentioned The Manchurian Candidate. That's definitely a movie that I think we'd want to watch. And also we're doubling up on Denzel, which is always a good idea. And then It's just easier to talk when there's more controls, right, Right. for the media you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, So then we've got Safe House that we've already we're discussing today, rather. Uh, and then I would move into the Bourne identity, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. sure. Which is a, yeah. an interesting action piece of cinema, as well as a particular kind of spy thriller. Um, and then I would go with Chris Pine, The Sum of All Fears, uh, for uh, the... Uh, Chris ben Pine. Affleck. Ben Affleck's in that but, one. Chris but, Pine is the other... He's the, Jack Ryan. Oh, he's Jack Ryan. That's it, right. Is okay. that the name of that? No, Shadow Recruit, right? Isn't Shadow that what it's called? Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. Yeah. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh is the sum of all fears, though, right? No, that's, that's Jack Ryan. Shadow too. Recruit. So maybe I like that one better. I don't know. Uh, my mind is not... I forget no who directed Sum of All Fears. It's somebody towards the end of their career, but, but somebody anyway, with Anyway, uh, one of the more contemporary entries in the Jack Ryan trilogy... But the uh, post-9-11 again, ones. Post-9-11 ones. I would save Harrison Ford, again, for the 90s and something that would go on before uh, 9-11, but... For now, uh, I would go there with that. Zero Dark Thirty is definitely a movie that we'd have to talk about sure. and would have to use. And then the uh, television series Homeland would be among the things I would discuss. And these and are th- both properties that ask, but what if your torturer is a girl boss? Does that make it okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, with readings, uh, a couple things I've found that are interesting to me. Uh, first of all, there's this article called From the Manchurian Candidate to Zero Dark Thirty, Reading the CIA's History of Torture Through Hollywood Thrillers, which serves Surveys several different thrillers, uh, but obviously Manchurian Candidate on into that. And then finally, uh, gender, geopolitics, and geosurveillance in the Bourne Ultimatum, uh, which also touch on other questions of surveillance throughout. I thought about one of the Snowden movies, you know, The Fifth Estate or Snowden or whatever. Yep. And maybe I might use something along I those will, lines. I will probably talk about Citizen Four next week. Yeah, yeah. S- something along those lines, but I haven't made my mind up entirely. But that's sort of the general shape uh, of what the course would look like for me right now if I were to go at it. It sort of seems like we've found ourselves making similar courses once again. Yeah. Was it City Slickers or Exorcist 3 we just had that happen on? Exorcist 3 is memory serves. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, do you have like, a, a, looking at that class, because um, I think I'm really interested in sort of the whistleblower aspect of all of these movies, right? At, at the very least, the not being able to trust the people that are supposed to be protecting you. Right. What, what do you feel like is, for, for 
did you, did you have like a big grand thesis for the uh, class? At this point, I would not. Gotcha. It would be okay. simply just these are films that are exploring that. What are the sort of popular opinions? I think that's one idea to think about. It. What are some more a tourist kind of approaches? Are there any sort of politics that are being advanced by the various uh, sundry films? And what are the ways in which uh, ideological uh, approaches might be able to show the sort of hidden veneer behind? I think I have an ideological reading of the torture scene, for instance, that we'll talk about later in analysis. Yeah, okay. Uh, in which uh, certain viewpoints color uh, the way in which those representations are made that uh, reinforce already established uh, hegemonic senses of power. So, But we'll get to that here in a little bit. Ooh, yeah, I think we should get to it right now. Okay, well, yeah, you know, I guess it is. It's time to get down to business, isn't it? It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business That's right, dear listener. Time. And that business is, as always, analysis. I guess I can start with that since we sort of were talking about it already. Let's talk about, okay, we've already mentioned what a uh, just insane actorly move it is for Denzel Washington to allow himself to be waterboarded for a few seconds. About f- I think five seconds is what they decided was the safe max. But right. yeah, Robert Patrick uh, by, uh, you know, uh, again, onset stories that are told for pro- promo reel are always potentially apocryphal. You gotta right. take the shit with a grain of salt. But as it's told, Denzel did not discuss this with anybody beforehand. They mm-hmm. just were like, okay, and now we... And he goes, no, 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 we gotta, we gotta get this on camera. The audience needs to believe that Tobin Frost will let himself get waterboarded and not break. Right. Uh, what? Yeah. What an absolutely gonzo, one of the greatest of all time move. Uh, right. If you don't know, listener, it is apparently so much worse than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it It's one of those things that doesn't sound that bad, but by all accounts is just absolutely horrible. Dry land drowning. Yeah. It's just no. awful. Now, um, here is the... Boy, idea- did we do it a whole bunch. Right. And here's the ideological piece to it. Now, first of all, we could put this in the whole conversation with Zero Dark Thirty and talk about its effectiveness. Obviously, it is uh, part of the plot point of this film is that it's ineffective against a Denzel Washington. Right. Uh, if you if you waterboard Denzel, you get nothing. Well, and, and to your Zero Dark Thirty point, they do reference Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, right? Mm-hmm, who is right. one of the famously a, a waterboarding uh, right. victim of ours. And uh, they and they mention uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed again in uh, Safe or is it no Sharif? Who do they mention? It's KSM. Oh, okay, KSM. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. Robert Patrick name checks like he lasted it. He 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 rode the waterboarding bull for X amount of time. Right. How much can you do, bud? And, yeah. But here's the weird ideological piece to it. Now Denzel Washington is a force of nature, and I know there's a lot of star personality and scripting that goes into this kind of stuff. But there is an ideological bit of reinforcement that's going on that you do this kind of stuff and it breaks weak men. Weak men are terrorists. But if you have a strong man mm. and it's a strong American man specifically, mm. then you come to realize that, you know, they can resist this. And it begins to reinforce, I think, it, it maybe even in a subconscious kind of way, huh. that maybe this isn't torture after all. It's just those guys just happen to be weak. Can I tell and, you what is interesting? This is my totally opposite read of that. that? And maybe it's just because of, like, I, I look at Denzel as, like, a stealthily political actor. Uh, I, I read it as, oh, my God, we would do this to Denzel. Holy shit, we are bad guys. Mm, like, that's yeah. how it reads to me is, like, mm. Watching Denzel like gag for air is uh, upsetting as a long term, you know, like literally as long as I've been alive, he's been one of the biggest actors in the world. Uh, So it is just like a very jarring image in a mid budget, mid prestige action movie. 
I, I guess the the, the point. But I, I think you make a very good point. When we kind of sort of spits to the side, you know, at one point, it's like, yeah, this is, you know, what else you got? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, very cigarette John voice. Laney, yeah. yeah, Clint Eastwood yeah. kind of moment there. And uh, again, because these Muslim terrorists are not as strong as our red-blooded American boys and girls, sure, right? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. And, and so I, I do find the ideological apparatus might be being reinforced there just a little bit. Well, and it's, it's interesting that Ryan Reynolds, uh, the, the housekeeper of the safe house, uh, you know, green case uh, worker that he is, has never heard of waterboarding in 2012, because this right. movie uh, se- seems to take place contemporaneously with yeah. when it's set. Is his shock at what they're doing not that he doesn't know what it is? Maybe, uh, yeah, because of course he asks, is this legal? Well, one, he would know the answer to that. Right. Yeah. That for starters. Then brought the bu- buckets of water in at that point, but they're turning off the lights to go in to interrogate. So ah, he, that's true. So I think he's aware. You guys are about to do something you ain't supposed to. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I guess uh, maybe it is shocking. Like, I knew we let other people do. I knew we outsourced this kind of thing. I didn't know we had CIA teams that would just show up on a, on a moment's notice and do it. And I think there's part of the cross grain reading to it as well, is that um, Ryan Reynolds is the sort of uh, uh, the cipher for the rest of us. Mm. And so he is supposed to be scandalized and horrified by what's going on. And so the idea that we would do this and do this to our own is part of the horror, but I, I, I again, I, the way in which ideology works, it is so insidious that I think it more strongly proclaims the message American boys can handle it, as opposed to Ryan Reynolds' uh, vehicle, vicarious vehicle, as he's ta- viewing this incident as, I can't believe you guys are doing this, right? And I, I think the, the greater strength lies on, well, Denzel's strength. Yeah, interesting. Uh I'm surprised for a movie that one of my first thoughts was, wow, Denzel gets first billing and doesn't show up for like 15 minutes. What a power move. Forgetting that he get waterboarded in this movie. So I just don't want to throw that out there. But I, I was... Arguably the bigger star, though. Oh, not our... He is the bigger yeah. star. I just think it is such a badass move to be top billed and not show up for like a while. That's, that's just cool. Uh, he has a line in this that I think speaks to what you're talking about. He This is after they've gone on the run. Uh, Robert Patrick has been uh, thrown into the, the molten steel. He's done so. Um, and, and Denzel says to him, our job is to, what is it? Uh, I wrote it down. Uh, our job is to take advantage of people's desire to believe, which I think is interesting mm-hmm. as far as, again, th- these are the moments where the screenplay does shine, where, where you look at a screenplay and go, Oh, this dude like cared to say something. This person was trying to communicate an idea, and that idea is these agencies are only designed to give you an illusion of safety. And from an ideological standpoint, unfortunately, you can't trust anything. And I hate to bring out tinfoil hat and corkboard Dalton today, but it's the kind of movie we're talking about. You can't ever know if the if the movie Safe House is a psyop or not, and that's very frustrating for there to just be multiple agencies with totally redacted budgets whose job is to convince you that not only are you safe, you are safe because of them. And not only are you safe because of them, you don't want to know what they do to keep you safe. Well, motherfucker, I do want to know. Sam Shepard says that, right? The American people don't care about truth anymore. Disagree. I think a lot of weirdos who refuse to take a shot will show you that people do have a desire to know the truth. And this obfuscation, this shell game, is the thing that like makes it impossible to have uh, a functioning republic. Right. Uh, lowercase r, of course. Well, and I think there's a way in which uh, the sort of 
duplicitousness goes to every level that the film kind of acknowledges as well. It's like, we want to make sure that we at least present the best kind of story that doesn't come out before the set is subcommittee. Right. Yep. It's not yep. about what happened. It's about we got the official narrative. We got to we got to account for these events and the ways in which those uh, different accountings and stories that are being told, which be, is a major plot point in the film, is uh, just sort of accepted as this is the way it is. The manipulation of belief. Mm-hmm. The, well, not and, and of course it, the desire to believe. Right. You just you want to believe that things are going to work out for the best. Right. Right. And, and and ideology is a thing that you don't believe, but you act like you believe it anyway, right? And 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 that does seem to be part of what the entire intelligence apparatus tends to do is that we we've put together such a narrative of liars telling lying lies all the time that we just sort of accept it as a point of fact. Hypernormalization. Yeah, we talk. We God, we've talked about this to our blue in the face for the last several years. But this is the problem that the KGB and the USSR had, right? Nobody could trust anybody at the end. It was such a gigantic state uh you know capital s lowercase s not important it is a big damn governmental institution Mm -hmm. both like just the ussr as a whole and then the secret police that and the intelligence community that is the kgb you have multiple bureaucracies and this isn't like oh the deep state but like well kind of the bureaucracies are weird and labyrinthine and nebulous and at the end of the day there's a whole bunch of people who's nobody who who nobody knows their name and nobody really gives a shit what they're doing on a day-to-day basis they can kind of do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is just, as you said, it's liars lying to each other about the lies they're going to tell us. And it, it is, it's just hard to take anything at face value at a certain point. And, and yet we accept that there are certain things we're just going to have to take at face value so we can go to sleep at night. Well, to go back into Zizek for just a second in terms of ideology, critic, it's, it's the game we play with Santa Claus. Is that the kid knows Santa Claus isn't real, and the parent knows Santa Claus isn't real, but they both pretend that Santa Claus is real because it keeps the facade going, and that does seem to be the the general state of relations uh, with the um, with the intelligence state. Well, uh, this do we want to ju- is jumping ahead to like the ending ending of this movie like too early? Do I don't think say so. That? Okay, because I, th- I feel like it's relevant, right? Because this movie does the thing that Hollywood loves to do, which is uh, action movie bullshit can save the world, right? Uh, Ryan Reynolds pulls a Black Widow uh, at the end of Captain America 2 and dumps all the government secrets out, as if CNN would report on the Pentagon doing something nefarious. If you anonymously drop that, that material never makes it to print, no, by the way. No, as, yeah. as Denzel told no. him, you get killed. You you get yeah. two in the back of the dome and unceremoniously dumped at the side of the road because that's what happens to whistleblowers. And that's not paranoia. That's not conspiracy. Theory. Like people, the, One of the journalists that blew the lid on the Pentagon paper, or uh, the Panama papers, right? And that was called the money thing with the royals and everybody had all that money offshore in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. One of those reporters died in a car bomb. Like months if not weeks after those reports came out this shit there is retribution all the time yeah yeah and you can't ever know which government did it that's mm-hmm. and they yeah. don't want you to know none of no. the governments want you to know they all want to have plausible deniability on their their wet work right with this slang for when they murder people right it's cute it's cute how they have little words for everything yeah enhanced interrogation wet work it all sounds so sexy when you you've got lingo and jargon well, it, it, it's euphemistic, right? I mean, that that's the other part of how the ideology works. The fact that it is housekeeping, that I've got a house guest. Where's the guest room? All of these other terms that are being used for housing these people. Sort of yeah. sort of reminds you about all the, the cult speak we talked about back when we were doing that marathon before the hiatus, huh? Right. 
it's weird how states states just are. And and so they adopt that language because everyone know. And that's the thing. There's no one who is, would be intercepting this information. There's no one who is receiving or giving this information. There's no one at all that would be confused by what's going on here. Everyone knows. Okay, if they got a new house guest, they're talking about they've brought somebody in. If there's a guest room, that's the interrogation room, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. Housekeeping, that's the person who manages this particular location. That, but it it's a game they keep playing with themselves, right? And what it does is it it takes the teeth out of the kind of work that's happening. And so that's another different kind of level in which the euphemism itself helps us to sort of not deal with the fact, you know, this person passed away, so they died, right? It's the same kind of idea. It's like there's something um, a bit more stunning about hearing a, a tough term as a, well, an accurate term, as opposed to this sort of euphemistic yeah. uh, deferral that happens. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Well, th- I feel like... Um... This sort of posits the Ryan Reynolds tries to affect change from within the damn belly of the beast, right? That ends up being like what Denzel's trying to convince him of the whole time is like, you got to get out of here. Uh, like in what is maybe Denzel's definitive death scene, by the way, uh, where he like goes, all right, let's go. And then dies as he's getting like, I mean, what a fuck, it's great. What a fucking pro. But he's, you've got to be better than me, right? Like, we get this kind of, like, moment of interior life of Tobin Frost, right? Who's, like, revealed to uh, the web behind the ears baby that, like, the moment he knew that things were bad was when he was he killed Whistleblower. Like, th- that was just the job, and he went back to work the next day. Like, nothing happened. And we don't know, like, when he finally split, but it was after that. And he says, you've got to be better than me. And Denzel, or uh, Ryan Reynolds doesn't know what to do with you've got to be better than me. So he goes to CNN, which is just, I get, like, it's... I appreciate from a uh, you have to injure action movie standpoint, like you you want the whistle to get blown, but the movie like straight up states that whistleblowing doesn't really work because the laws we have to protect whistleblowers are made by the same people you're trying to blow the whistle on usually. Right. Uh, I don't know. Ask Chelsea Manning uh, how whistleblowing works out. Ask uh, what's his doodle. Snowden? Yeah. yeah. Uh, who may or may not have been an asset to start with, but anyway. Uh, well, but, you know, who isn't, baby? Right. Uh, <laughs> these days, you know? Hard to tell. Uh, it, but it's it's interesting that the movie says, well, but maybe, you know, maybe if the right congressional hearings happen. Right. Well, the idea is if we get Ryan Reynolds as the new deputy director of the CIA, then it's going to be fine. But, but, you know, or he just gives the info to the right people, and then he can go back to Paris to stalk his ex-girlfriend, which is what the movie ends on. Right, strangely yeah. enough. I don't think she would have smiled if her boyfriend she just found out was a CIA agent just showed up out of <laughs> yeah. Just watching her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that she smiles. Yeah, that's a little bit strange. Screenplays written by dudes often don't know how women would react to things. I, I'm married to one and fi- frequently find myself surprised. <laughs> but I do think um, that whole... Uh, a that screenwriter? Whole... Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, that's very good. Thank you. Deposing of Sam Shepard and perhaps the idea that if you have a good man with all the power, it's it's going to be fine. Does sort of echo some of those same arguments we see in like the Dark Knight. Yep. yep right. Yep. Yep. That, that if that we've got to give up some security or some freedom sometimes in order to have that kind of security. If we trust the one good Caesar, 
then it's fine. But if it's a bad Caesar, if it's a, it's a good Batman who's able to monitor all of our cell phones and makes it go away when he's done using it, cool. But it's just the, the question doesn't become whether or not it's okay to do that cell phone monitoring. The question is, do we have the right people in place? It's Matthew McConaughey and True Detective, right? The world loves Batman, needs Batman, keep the other Batman from the door. Right, mm-hmm. which does make you wonder: Is Tobin Frost actually the person to do the right thing in this? Right, mm-hmm. uh, we know his plan was to sell it at the start of the movie. If Tobin Frost survives the events of Safe House, and let's say Matt Weston doesn't, does Tobin Frost like figure out the right thing to do? Does he just orchestrate a bunch of car bombs? Like, what does Tobin Frost do with this information? Right, if he decides to do quote unquote the right thing, uh, because in the arc of Denzel's career, uh, you know Tobin Frost like fits very squarely in it. Denzel characters who are bad guys die, or they go to jail uh, to do penance, right? Flight, he goes to jail. Man on fire, he tortures a bunch of people, he dies to save the little girl. Uh, he dies in it. Like, you can do this ad nauseum, because that's Denzel as the kind of super producer slash actor slash director that he is. He says what happens to his characters. That's how it works in, when you're Denzel, when you're at that level. And I always just find that interesting, like, to try to read between the lines of what does Denzel as an actor, as a producer, think about this character. Um, and it's, it's interesting that to him, Tobin Frost is number one, the ultimate badass who never quits, doesn't refuses to admit that he's dying. But number two is like, so is shady in a way that like, cannot cover up the goodness that like is still in there somewhere, which I find very interesting. Just again, as we're discussing the, does change within the system, like do anything? Is it a question of, well, if the right people have the right information? Um, I don't know. There's no answer to this question, of course. Right. But I, I just I find the way that Denzel fits in as kind of the piece they write out of the equation by the, you know, the epilogue. It's just interesting to think of, you know, what if they don't write that piece out, though? I don't know. I, I You know, I'm not trying to rewrite Safe House over here. I'm just uh, wondering... What do you even do with that? I guess it probably turns into more of a burn after reading ending, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, well, I, I guess we didn't learn anything, and hopefully that doesn't happen again. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this movie's got a little bit of that, right? If it doesn't have a happy ending, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's weird how many spy movies are just about a list of names, right? I mean, like so many of them, knock lists, yes. etc. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess that's their most important MacGuffin. I mean, it's a pretty good MacGuffin for spy movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's either multiple or... people could lose their lives and the yeah. entire family's wiped out. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. much that or launch codes. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Or, or I mean, encryption technology. Yep. Right, for sure. Uh, do we have anything? Uh, uh, oh, I guess we could talk about real briefly. It's uh, Longa Township, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, these are the conditions that this security apparatus creates, right? We're not just talking about the United States here, we're talking about. Russia, the former Soviet Union, uh, South Africa, South New itself, Zealand, yeah. U- the U- MI6. All of these countries have slums and big italics, right? You know, people live everywhere. I'm, this is not a judgment word. This is just these are the words we have to talk about places that don't have any support from their their own damn governments. Logan Township is not an official township. This is a place built of found material. Uh, you know, Rio de Janeiro's got a ton of these places. The, the favelas. This is what happens when you pour all of your money into just lying to yourself constantly, is you have people who exist on the margins of your society who have no choice but to organize independently of you because they know that there is no, there's no trusting you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan Township is the site of at least one, if not two, civil rights-related ma- massacres you know, carried out by the pre- and post-apartheid governments. Um, I don't know. It sucks, dude. Yeah. Uh, it sucks that a country can go, okay, fine, we're not doing apartheid anymore. 
but we swear to God, if you show up with signs, we're going to start shooting stuff at you. Right. Uh, I don't know. There's no country that doesn't do that. Right. Um, I don't know. I guess Cuba's been okay lately. They haven't... St- well, they, I guess they started tear-gassing people just recently, yeah, didn't I they? Think maybe there they was have. a recent thing, wasn't there? Well, it's, I mean, when this drops, the protests will have been going on for like a month or so now. Or, or, yeah. yeah, But it was going on for a while before there was, you know, any action against the, the protests. But again, right. I'm not going to let anybody off the hook. Let's just say no governments let their people be mad in the street. No. They just don't let you, let you do it. Well, it's dangerous. That's, that's why. It's dangerous to them. It's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. To make sure I'm not t- making some sort of, uh, well, you know, it, it is dangerous <laughs> if you're out there. Sort of position here. It's we love the government. Yeah, <laughs> it is dangerous if you're out there. You know, don't take your phone, take water, etc. Be nice. Right. Yeah. For sure. Well, I'm not here to give advice. I'm not qualified to do it about anything except watching movies. <laughs> well, I think with that, um, we can give some advice as to what we should do with this film, which is to shelf it or to trash it. I so, want to shelf that transition. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I go to you first, Arthur. What do you say to the safe house? Does it belong on the shelf or ought it go to the trash? Uh, I think that this is a very, very light trash. I, I, I think we've kind of alluded to the uh, fun that is to be found here, but I don't think this is one you have to seek out and find. Denzel's obviously done much better stuff. Reynolds has done much better stuff, and there are much better spy thrillers out there. So uh, that's where I'm at with it. Very good, very good. What do you say, Dalton? Yeah, as much as I like fight scenes that are mostly just people throwing each other into furniture, which, ugh, what a great... I, ju- I like it when people have to fight in a hallway and they're just throwing each other into door frames. It's cool shit. Uh, I'm with Arthur. It's a, it's a light, light, light trash. Um, again, this there's an era, a universe where this is a basic cable mainstay. Uh, it'll probably be a streaming mainstay forever, right? Um, it's a Warner Brothers movie, so uh, HBO will always have it in perpetuity. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I think it's off HBO Max as we speak. No, no, wow. <laughs> I think we got it before the... Oh, uh, did we slide it under the wire? Ooh, I think so. I think it was this one. Wow. It's one of the movies we're doing soon. Sneaky, sneaky. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's where it's going to live and breathe for the rest of eternity is probably streaming services, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Dalton. I'm also going to lightly trash the movie. I think it is fine. I think it's good, and I would definitely not not watch it. Or whatever I'm trying to say there with the double negatives. Um, if it were to come on, I would definitely uh, sit through it because I do find the performances uh, attractive and enjoyable, and I find the narrative to be itself just entertaining. But no, I don't see any need to own it. So that's what it comes down to. Is like, would I spend extra money to buy? No. So. That's where it lands. So with that, um, you can be part of the conversation with us all uh, via the magical means that we all know as social media. Um, Arthur, how do we do that? How do we have that conversation? Yeah, uh, if you want to uh, let us know if uh, we were completely wrong about Safe House or uh, misjudged uh, this, what you consider masterpiece, maybe, uh, you can let us know online. You can do that on Twitter at Good Trash Media. You can uh, tweet at us over there. Dalton loves it if you add him. Uh, he just loves those conversations. So hit him up. Uh, you can email us longform content at goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We're not very active over there. We're much more on Twitter where we're retweeting uh, our, our uh, observations on movies, articles we find interesting, memes we find funny. Uh, we also retweet uh, friends of the show, uh, including uh, The Will of Randy. The Wheel of Randy, hosted by one Dan Wade. There yeah. it is. Uh, and also The Praise Down, those uh, sweet boys over there. Are always fun to listen to, uh, and so yeah, check us uh, check us out there and uh, give us a, a follow. Thank you so much. And for if that. You, and if you're in our your our NSA caseworker, we don't call the cops, so bring the black bags if you're going to show up. 
Yes. Uh, all right. So with that, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to get that in there. I, I, I love tickling you under, under your, that particular armpit. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, are we gonna do another movie? We're we gonna keep doing the show. Yeah. So, okay. uh, so uh, you ready to know? I, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you already know. Can I, can yeah. I, can Ar- I know? Arthur accidentally yeah. programmed a double feature. It turns out. I, I doxed. Uh, I, I doxed uh, next week's show already to the to the hosts. Uh, but ten years before the sum of all fears, Phil Alden Robinson would do another spy thriller. We're putting on our expensive shoes and testing our security as we take a look at sneakers. Sneakers. They couldn't call it phone freakers, and uh, hackers was already taken. So there you go, dear listener. We're going to watch sneakers. Little Robert Redford, River Phoenix, and others for you all. Uh, You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.